Hey guys, so uh, Tina here. I just wanted to let you know that this is another two-part episode. Um, We just had so much to say about queuing and queues and the future of queuing that we decided to drag it out over two episodes. So um, yeah, I hope you enjoy and I'll see you for the next one. Like no, no, no. D, uh, DJ Jazz Jazz doing like his sets like back in the 90s. No. Um, I had listened to a radio station that would play um, just like some of his like just like when he would go out there and spin randomly. Oh, really? And um, yeah, they would ha- play it like Friday afternoons. Like, <laughs> DJ Jazzy Jeff and so good. Like hmm. man is so talented. Hmm. Should check it out. Yeah, is that on Spotify. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good question. Hmm. I mean, I only heard it on this random radio station yeah. when I was living in Carbondale, Illinois. Like maybe I should take a trip to Carbondale. Oh <laughs> yes, the middle of nowhere. <laughs> All of our yeah. listeners in Carbondale, Illinois, are yes, going to be like, "Excuse me." Uh, that is the best radio station ever. <laughs> yeah. um, it actually might have been like out of St. Louis. Anyway, I don't think I, I've just driven through St. Louis. I hate St. Louis. Yeah, it's not great. They're a big baseball rival, so that's why. Oh, well. <laughs> For all our St. Louis them. listeners, <laughs> F you. Um, surprisingly, we have like 50 listeners, I oh, would wow. say. I, yeah, I would say like on average, probably 50 people listen, which I think is pretty cool. That's you nuts. Know? Yeah, totally. I expected like 10. No, I mean, almost all of our episodes have been listened to at least 50 times. So that would mean, like, now our most popular, epi- like, our, I think we're, like, close to 90 listens on, like, one of sure. yeah, the yeah. episodes. And it's, like, sure. I, I, they, they they dwindle. I bet you there's at least five people who have listened to us, like, three times. Because we're I have listened, to listen to. I, I listen for quality control. Yeah, exactly. Not because I just so like to you, hear So you account talk. for 10 of those 50. <laughs> probably. Probably. No, it's totally true. Um, all right, cool. So, uh, what are we talking about today? we're back. We yeah. are, we're going to talk about it's been a minute since we recorded. Yeah. Right. Um, we are going to talk about cues today. Um, yeah. it's, they're the most exciting part of a theme park visit. So we might right. as well talk about uh, yeah. yeah. Cause you spend 25% of your time <laughs> exactly. in a queue. So, you know, I yeah. think it's, I think it's good to talk about it because well, you know, we spend so much time in them. Well, it's the, it, truly, it is the biggest gripe that I think any guest has at right. a theme park. I mean, right. you, you hear it all the time. And it's from, constantly evolving. Like you're trying to solve it, yeah. you know, like what's going on you're with not, that. So when you go to a theme park, it's an expectation that you're going to wait in a line. Right. And to me, that needs to go away if theme parks are going to exist in the future. Sure. Right. Because a lot of the experiences that you go to outside of a theme park, the one-off experiences like Team Lab or something like that, I'm not, I don't wait an hour to get into team lab, right? right? Like the capacity is set correctly enough that the attraction itself holds enough people. So I immediately walk up, buy my ticket, wait 10 minutes and go on the right, experience. Right. right. Oh, I mean, when you did team labs, you did a reservation system, right? No, we walked up and, um, I think we, we had to buy tickets there cause we couldn't get them online cause oh, of the okay. currency or something. But, um, it was like, I don't know, mid afternoon, one o'clock or something oh, okay. like that. And, um, yeah, we just bought tickets. It was raining that day, so sure. it might have helped. But we bought tickets, and then it was like you got a scheduled time. You know, it was like four o'clock, four fifteen, four thirty, four forty-five. Okay, so there was ran. a scheduling bit in there, right? So you you got a certain time that you were supposed to show up, mm. right? Which could help with their you know selling of it too, right? But at least in that to that point, 
queue lines and theme parks don't have that right now. You just right. kind of walk, walk up, up and, and that's, that's the whole drive with having the virtual is like, I know a time when I should return. Right. And that time I'm only going to wait 10 minutes. Totally. When I get there, you know? So yeah, we're going to talk about all of that today. <laughs> yeah, about we're going to get the history it. of queuing and kind of how it's progressed over the ages. Mm-hmm. And then we're also going to talk a little bit about like what we hope queuing will be in the future. Yeah. So. Um, so again, we're referring to the same book that we have Imagine. all podcast. <laughs> we don't buy new books here on the D ticket. <laughs> I, I mean, it, obviously it's the only book of its kind that right. really like it's the strongest book, yeah. all this information into one. So if you haven't heard about it, theme park design, David Younger, mm-hmm. go look it up. Uh, we are talking about cues from there. And one of the first things that he points out is uh, like we said, or Tina mentioned earlier is, you know, uh, a theme park guest will go to a theme park and 25% of their time will be spent in queue lines. Right. right? That's a lot of time. Massive. A quarter of your day. And if you think about it from a logical standpoint, um, companies like Disney and Universal and everything see that as dollars missed, right? Absolutely. And if you, if you get anywhere with Disney or Universal and you tell them they're going to miss dollars, they're going to find a way to solve it. Totally, <laughs> you know I mean? totally. So, so the, the change is coming. I mean, it's it's not like a, a thing they're going to avoid. Right, or they're you're telling me, oh, I cannot put people in a queue and make more money? <laughs> make more then money? Let's, let's figure that out. Exactly. Yeah, totally. So we are going to see a shift in the, in queue lines. It, we have already been seeing shifts in queue lines mm-hmm. and it, it's been interesting to see how you know, cues from Disneyland original 1955 have con- dramatically, completely been oh, revitalized right. and evo- continue to be. There's an evolution there. Yes. Um, so, you know, one of the things to account for that the book says is also uh, demographics because each person in a theme park is different, especially when you go across countries, you know, um, if you look at, um, you know, uh, what is one of the examples? Of example, European guests wait is uh, like 22, at 22 minutes? minutes. Yeah. They won't wait any longer than that. Yeah. Which, I mean, I can attest to that. Like having gone to Disneyland Paris, um, people, the people in France are not super into that theme park. And <laughs> yeah. I think that a lot of it has to do with the fact that like they just don't find the value in waiting to get on an attraction mm-hmm. that's three minutes long. No. So, and I mean, when you do that, when you're like, okay, you're going to wait 20 minutes for a three minute attraction. It's like, okay, like I could maybe see that. You start saying you're going to wait 60 minutes for a three minute attraction. They're just wow. not interested. I'm going to go eat, you know? Exactly. Like, and and, and I think that's just part of the French culture too, is that they yes. just have different priorities mm-hmm. that they just don't, they just don't find value in that. Yeah. Us, us Americans will wait for anything. <laughs> right. No, I mean, it's true though. I, and like, I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, um, the, uh, some of the Asian parks are pretty popular as well, and they do mm-hmm. well is because a lot of Asian cultures do not mind queuing. They yeah. don't mind getting in line. It's crazy when we went and to... And you have to. Their populations are so large. They're right. like, this is what you have to do. <laughs> Tokyo in, sp- in specific, um, they are a crazy culture in terms of queuing. Mm. We, we went to Tokyo right before the pandemic in January, and... Um, Every metro ride we went on, there was single file lines right, they to, queued get, on the to metro, get onto the train. To just get on the train, right? Yeah. And then we went to Tokyo Disney Sea, and we we came in on the metro, and it passed by the entrance to Tokyo Disney Sea, and there were people waiting for the park to open, but they were all sitting in single file lines waiting to go organized. In. If you were in America, it would be a clusterfuck well, of people standing shoulder to shoulder is, trying to push their way in. <laughs> this is like something that you just have to take into account is because I've heard from people who also worked for Shanghai Disney on opening day. So one of the issues that they had is um, um, the Chinese people don't queue 
in similar fashion to even what Americans or the Japanese do. Um, they are kind of just like a mass mob that just goes towards, you know, an attraction. Yes. And so a single file line is just like not in their vocabulary nope. of a culture. Like that's yeah. not what they do in their culture. Yeah. And the, it, you have to account for that. You have to design. account for that when yeah. you're designing, you which I think is You can't expect the same logic to pass by for each culture. Yeah. Right? yeah. yeah. And I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, um, you know, thing like uh, Disneyland or Disney World in Florida is like a more popular international travel destination mm. is because the queue lines are a little bit bigger. They can yeah. handle more people. You know, it's just. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. California is kind of stuck with a lot of attractions, especially in Disneyland. I mean, DCA has a little bit more expansion room, but right. not much. But Disneyland has a lot of attractions, especially in Fantasyland, that are landlocked. You right. You can't. The what are queue you has do? to be that, exactly. that skinny. I mean, look at Jungle Cruise, and we'll talk more about it, but Jungle Cruise is a very skinny it's line. It's tiny. I mean, some like of those ones in Fantasyland <laughs> are like crazy to me. Like, this is definitely grandfathered Grandfather. They ain't changing that. Not, no. Yeah, you're not getting the scooter nope. carts in there like, and, uh, yeah, for all, anybody all accessible. All the accessible queues yeah. go to the exit. And exactly. Just, yeah, yeah. And it's definitely just a very different mentality yeah. versus, you know, even coast to coast in the same country. Mm -hmm. It's kind of kind of crazy yeah so. and it's constantly evolving and you know getting better as, as we go um but it's also good to point out that uh another thing that uh, the book points out is guests who are in queue lines that you know have an hour wait or something like that are not being entertained by the environment themselves mm -hmm. they're being entertained by the phone that they're on yeah <laughs> phone games. ipad i mean how many times have you seen the what's the game the heads up heads up being played in a fucking queue line and i yeah it's a great way to pass the time great way to pass because obviously and you know one of the things that david younger talks about is and this is like duh we all know this is occupied time passes faster than unoccupied time yeah so if you have a way to occupy your guests in a queue line they're going to be happier Honestly, totally. and they're they're going to be happier. They're going to it means they're going to spend more money. Mm -hmm. It means they're going to come back again. Well, like the value of creating an experience that they are entertained in a queue line is very important. The, obviously, the biggest thing for a theme park is always guest repeatability. Absolutely. I mean, that's the bottom line driver. I yeah. mean, if you if you get one guest who only wants to come there once, has a horrible experience, that's not getting your money's worth for that investment. No, it's right? totally true. You want what they're looking at is ROI. Like, what's my return? And I need somebody who's going to go on this ride and say, I want to ride it again. I want to ride it again. I want to come back. I want to ride it again. Mm -hmm. I want to ride it again. Because the more you get returns, the more that that person's in your park, the more that you're getting money, right? Right. I mean, so everything comes down to that. <clears throat> so when you look at oh, my guests are spending 25% in a queue and they're really pissed off in these queues and playing games on their phone. This is not driving right. my repeatability and my ROI is going down. Right. It's like, yeah. I, I will never come to it. And I've, I've heard that before where people just say that the value of them is like, you know, I rode three rides that, you know, I did three attractions that day. And I spent $200 I, yeah, to get in the damn park. Yes. And I've heard that people just like, I'm like, I'm not going back to Disneyland. Yeah. I'm not going back to Universal. I'm and not the, going back because it's just not, it's just not valuable for me. I no. my And especially I hear it a lot from people who have parents, like parents who have kids, right? Oh, yeah. They're like, it's I don't pointless. know what to do with my kid in that line. Yeah. Like they love going, but they don't know how to keep their kid entertained. Yeah in the attraction line, in the queue line. You know? Yeah, it's so. extremely important when we talk about the future of designs or even overlays, which we'll talk to, you know, more about is um, how do we improve queue lines? Right. How do we fix this? Because you can put all the time, money, and energy into the actual attraction, but if somebody is waiting in Cars Land line, God, it's 
freaking awful. Ooh, it's bad. <laughs> it's yeah. awful. So, you know, I don't give a shit how good your attraction is. You got to really invest in that queue line. No, somehow. it's true. And, and, and figuring out how to make it better for the guests. Right. Um, right. But anyway, uh, back to the, uh, to the kind of, what is a guest kind of experience and stuff. Um, a lot of it comes down to how does a designer plan for these cues, right? So if a, a queue line is being designed, we often have to think about how, how much queue space do they, do they need? Why do they plan for this things? We talked a little bit about like little mermaid ride in Florida and how that queue seems like so much wasted space. Yeah. It's like dead queue now. Right. Like half of it's at least dead queue, if not 75% of it's dead queue. Oh, by the way, we got a new puppy. So every once in a while you might hear the dude barking in the background. So please excuse him while he expresses himself. <laughs> we'll get him a white discover who he and... is in our apartment. <laughs> um, yeah. But you know, one of the things is, is often as a designer, you have to think about how do we anticipate the length of queue or how many people do I need to fit in this queue? Right. And that is, if you're a designer, that is one of the scariest things of all. I, yeah. And I, I, we were just talking about this. Like I've never had to do that. Mm -hmm. I've never, you know, I've, and cause I also don't have any formal theme park training. So Mm. I wasn't even doing it as a class exercise, like designing a queue. Yeah. Um, It's, it's all guesswork. I mean, it's, it's comes down to numbers, right. And, uh, uh, buzz price and kind of like, what's my demographic? What's right. how many people are, am I what expecting? I expect? at this? And when you have an existing park, you have a better idea of that, right? If it's a new park, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> you know? But at least in an existing park, you could say, okay, here's my current attendance numbers per year. Here's what the, and this, we're expecting that this fills X percentage and this is the hourly demand. Right. Right. Um, but if you're building a new park, like, uh, I was working on how to train your dragon land in motion gate Dubai mm-hmm. There was so many expectations of guests coming in and how much, and that's what we were going off of. We're going off of, okay, if our, if our, uh, because we were working on dragon gliders, if our attraction has a THRC of 1800, right? Uh, THRC for everybody is theoretical hourly ride capacity, right? It's, okay, I haven't designed, um, I'm designing this ride, it isn't built yet. So we have to come up with some sort of hourly metric to gauge the guest throughput of this ride. How many people are going to come in? Honestly, it's a make or break for an attraction because if you can't get oh, enough yeah. people through this attraction an hour, oh, yeah. they won't build it. Oh, so yeah. it's a huge part of any design process and is figuring out how to optimize that THRC. And there is a difference. And I, I think we're going to do a whole episode on this because I, I could talk forever on this, but <laughs> there is a difference between THRC and OHRC. Mm-hmm. THRC is theoretical. That's what you're doing when you're designing. And O O-H-R-C is operational? Mm-hmm. That's what it actually is. Sure. Right. That's what we can plan on 1800, but what are we you know, actually doing? The ride day? breaks down. The guys, guests take too long to get in and out compared to what we yeah. thought. I'm actually really curious what the THRC versus the OHRC on Rise of the Resistance is. Oh, yeah. That attraction is down a lot. A lot. Yeah. A lot. yeah downtime will kill your yeah. OHRC. Um, but you know, when we talk about queue lines and designing, uh, we were designing for how to train your dragon and we had to look at our theoretical hourly ride capacity, which I forget what it was, but let's call it 2000, right? Um, if it was 2000 THRC, right? This is interesting because the book points out something different, but I'll, I'll get to that later. If it's 2000 THRC planned for my hourly ride capacity, then you have to say, what's the demand you think is going to be there per hour? So we would say, okay, there's, we think there's at least two hours of demand 
coming from guests, like mm-hmm. wanting to get onto this ride. Especially when an attraction is new. Sure, yeah. That makes sense. So we need to plan for 4,000 people, right, to be in this line, which is a lot of freaking people That's to be in people. this line. And we did have a giant queue. We had three different queue stages, essentially, right. of like places you could go. Um, and you literally take that number and you apply a square footage per person of like what each person needs to stand. And then you extrapolate that across an entire queue. And that's the length of your that's queue. That's the length line. of your queue. Yep. And it depends on culture over culture. Because if you're in Florida, you're getting a bigger square footage per person. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're in uh, China, you're getting a smaller square footage per person. Right. They don't based mind on, touching each other. Based yeah. on cultural reasons mm-hmm. and based on uh, demographics of size sizes of people, right? Mm. Chinese are typically smaller people and Americans and everybody else are typically larger people, right? I mean, that's mm-hmm. just like a fact of, of a biological yes, difference. we're also overweight. <laughs> well, that too. <laughs> Notoriously. But, but you have to consider that when you're designing. Because sure. that's, that's a big factor and how many people can fit or if you're wasting space potentially or if you don't have enough space for that, right? Or the guest satisfaction. If you build a a queue line that's made for a Chinese, uh, you know, audience in Florida (laughs) and then they come in and it's like, two and a half feet wide or something, you know, I'm exaggerating, but you're going to, you're going to make your guest satisfaction poor. Um, so you have to kind of interesting to me because I actually, some of my favorite queues at Disneyland Mm. are those old, cues where they're so tiny that it's like you're sneaking around a post in the line i actually like that but i Mm -hmm. think i like it because there's like a a quaintness to it that you're not getting with these like big expansive open queue lines if i had to do that like on a new attraction i don't know that i would feel similarly but yeah yeah Yeah, it's it creates a different experience yeah i mean six inches to a foot of width in your queue line can make a huge impact. And I am fully accessible. Like I can, I can access things very easily where there might be guests that are not as accessible as me. So obviously that's going to play into their experience in a queue line, you know? Yeah. ADA is now a thing that you have to constantly think about. Cause I mean, I think of even queues like, um, I think there's one, is it splash mountain where the ground is kind of uneven? In spots, I think there's like spots where it's like kind of rocky and mm. I would wonder what that would do for yeah. accessibility purposes. Sometimes, know? sometimes designers will design the exit as an accessible queue. Right. Especially and, at Disneyland. That's yeah. the only way. Yeah. yeah. And it, a lot of times you retrofit that way when ADA came into place, you would just say, okay, you're going to go in the exit, right? Right. Nowadays, you could probably actually plan for that a little bit better in the exit, but right. that's typically how it's done, right? It's just throw them in the exit and call it a day, which is kind of sad, but, um, so I think one of the funny things too, about talking about, about all this is that one of the best things you can do as a designer is try to figure out how to avoid avoid having people in a queue altogether. Right. (laughs) Like how do you, and like you can have a queue, but how do you design your attraction so that Pe- the the queue gets avoided. We like we the want, wait and the queue gets avoided. We want to get rid of these situations as designers, right? right? We don't want guests to be in a switchback and hate their day, right. right? Like, unfortunately, budget or some other constraint will come across that you know doesn't let you do it. But in reality, we want to push the envelope and make these things not happen, right? right? So how can we as designers make it not happen? You know, one of the ways that we can do it is um, building you know, effective attractions that meet the demographics of your park. Sure. Baseline, the easiest thing you can do. Easiest thing you can do. Yeah. Understand who's coming in your park. So mm-hmm. It works best when you're in an existing park, obviously. Um, if you know that you're in Florida and you're typically getting tourists, 
Well, those tourists are going to come in a group of four to six because they're going to be a family of four with, you know, grandma and grandpa or something like that. Then you should plan for your attraction to hold four to six people in a row, right? right? That's the best. If you, if you plan for- Or in a ride vehicle. Like if if it's a single ride vehicle mechanic, then Mm -hmm. yeah, everybody can fit in that single ride vehicle. The one row is better if they can, but yeah. But there's also a strategy of um, if you know you're in California and you've got season pass holders, right? Right, Like literally couples coming. And they just want to come and ride and go. You might plan for something like a single rider line, right? right? And actually build that into your attraction. Um, But it's all about understanding the demographics. And you have to always think about designing for the guest, right? Right. So whenever you're building an attraction or thinking about it, think about who you're designing for, Right. right? Biggest part. And it plays deeply into queue lines. Yeah. I mean, I also wonder too, if there's something in here about understanding that like maybe an attraction like Soren right now wouldn't do as well because it's not IP driven, you know, so you're not really playing to your demographic and because your demographic is super into IP heavy attractions currently. So you're not going to have the numbers that you think you're going to have. Right. So that means that that attraction can only take up so much space. It can only have so much of a, you know, queue line. Yeah. Yeah. And it plays, well, it plays in. So, okay. If I was building Soren today, right. And I thought, okay, the average, you know, hourly demand is going to be lower, half what it is now. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now they plan on 2000 guests and we're going to plan on a thousand. I don't think I would change the attractions seat row capacity if it's still applied for that overall demographic, right? Like if my seat row capacity was 12 and that was roughly six and six for a family of six and a family of six Mm -hmm. or a two, you know what I mean? Then I wouldn't change that, but my queue line would get shorter, right? Sure. I don't need as much queue. Right. So it's really about the ride vehicles in these instances where that you have to kind of think about, like how do I fit these people that are coming in the best? Mm. Because like we look at old rides, 1955 rides, small world, where the boat can only fit like, Two, two fucking people, people yeah. in a row. The one in Disneyland anyway. <laughs> Disneyland, yes, yes. Yeah, the boats are tiny. Tiny. But, you know, Pirates in Florida is designed for six Huge people. I mean, you could fit a whole family in that freaking row. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that makes it a more efficient ride, right? I'm not wasting space. So yeah. you, you have to be as, as space conscious as possible. That's why Peter Pan sucks. It's because Peter Pan is only built for two freaking people. Right. So a family... I mean, of, Peter Pan is amazing. Well, okay. The, the <laughs> but, queue sucks. I know, I know. The waiting sucks because yes. there's a lot of people who are, it's a well, popular if attraction. You're, if you're a family of six, you got to take three ride vehicles. Right. Three. And <laughs> if there's only two parents, you got to hope that your kids are okay being in the ride vehicle by, them swe- by yeah, themselves. Yeah, if, if, you, if you have a uh, fa- family of five, two parents and three kids, and you only have two per, it's like, whoa. Yeah, who's riding with who? Yeah. Okay. I guess you two are right. That makes it awkward, right? You got to know that, you Mm -hmm. know, um, you can get away with it in certain parks like Disneyland, but some other parks, man, you got to plan for that. I think that's why, uh, Disneyland Paris, the Peter Pan, not only the coat thing, I think I mentioned in our previous episode, but it's also the family thing. Like if you were to, if you were doing this again in Paris, you, you redesign that ride vehicle to be a little bit longer and hold four people. Right. And then you're more efficient. You're 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 pushing in a car. You're loading, and you're going with four rather than two. Right. right? Um, Which I mean, I think that leads us to the next point of um, changing your load and unload design. You yes. Know, like huge. 
it's huge. a huge process, you know, because there's some rides where it's like easy on, easy off. And uh-huh. there's other ones where it's like a whole ordeal mm-hmm. to get on and off the attraction. You if, know? if you just think about it logically, a car is g- pulling into a station and the whole thing that holds it up is unloading that vehicle, loading that vehicle and going. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can get rid of one of those steps. So I don't need to unload. Well, think about how long you wait when the gate opens for somebody to get their bag out, take off their belt. Right. So I think of like um, Indiana Jones, right? Totally. Indiana Jones is one where it's like literally you load and unload on the same platform. Mm-hmm. And so you're standing there waiting for everybody to collect their belongings. And, and it's usually in a pouch too, yes, which is a pain in the ass. Their thing you know? out. Yeah. So, I mean, we're talking seconds here. But with seconds, it builds up over, over the course time. of the day, yeah. Over and now you've an got a backup of an hour and nobody totally. wants to ride the damn ride. Right. Um, so if you can take Indiana Jones and unload them at a different location and then pull in with an empty car and you're just loading, going, loading, going. That's why <laughs> I think ones that are like um, the Rotunda ones are kind of interesting. Like yeah. um, mm-hmm. Grizzly River Rapids, um, Kilimanjaro, not Kilimanjaro, um, Cali River Rapids. Yeah. Um, it's very or similar even, to an Omni Mover. Yeah, it's very similar to an Omni Mover. Um, it just feels like there's a little bit more freedom happening there. Like, yes. um, what's the other one that I'm thinking of as well? You're, you're, con- um, you're constantly. Epcot, uh, Spaceship Earth. Yes. It's moving continually. Constantly moving while you're right. loading and unloading. So if there's somebody who has a little bit, needs a little bit of time to, you know, get out of their thing, it, like they are allowed to take that time and get out of their yeah. thing. And the vehicle is not stopping, but you can also continue to load other vehicles in the right. time period as well. That's one of the things of uh, Space Mountain. Disneyland, the track actually shifts off for ADA accessibility loading. Right. So if somebody needs a little bit of time, they get that we extra can, time. We can pull up in, in an empty car and track shift it over mm-hmm. and they can take their time and then we track shift them back and totally. go. And I mean, if you look at um, even like Space Mountain in Florida too, I mean, the, the unload room is completely different mm-hmm. than the loading room. Yeah. Um, and I wonder, I'm, I do wonder how much time that does save. And I don't know if it's maybe just like a mental capacity or like a mental thing. I'm like, I'm not waiting for this person to get out of the vehicle. When the vehicle arrives at the station, I get in immediately. If you, you know? if you can design the space correctly, it can save at least the unload time. Right. right. I mean, depending on the vehicle, it could take five seconds, could take 10 seconds, but you are saving that time because that vehicle is constantly moving throughout you know what i mean right um i think rise of the resistance does it where you're i don't even know where the hell you unload <laughs> but like you unload and then it yeah the trackless it system races off back. to the wherever mm-hmm. the hell it was you yeah know? so like you load into an empty vehicle right. which makes the load time much much faster totally yeah. i mean i would be curious as those are like you know um trackless vehicles so they can yeah. just zoom off to wherever they're going <laughs> but one's like one's like um uh, Space Mountain in Florida, or like any roller coaster, even if you're unloading in a separate room, the car is still on the same track. So if somebody's taking a while to get out of that car, they're not Correct. pushing through another car past you. you Correct. Know? But so. there is somebody loading while you're unloading. Does that make yes, sense? Yes, totally. Absolutely. It's just if it's you're going to un- cut down. If the no unloading, to your point, if the unloading takes longer than the load, then you get kind of out of sync. Right, and right. you've got to, you know, Exactly. Hopefully you get back in to, into sync shortly. And that's where you but. probably have a buffer between the two mm-hmm. so that you can unload a certain amount of cars. And if somebody holds up, you're still pushing in car. You know what I mean? Yeah, So it's not absolutely. a direct unload load and you see the vehicle kind of thing. Absolutely. Yeah, so that... 
there's a lot that comes into play when you're trying to design for these things and a lot of options that you can do that right. are different. And I'm sure there's different theories from everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. One of, uh, one of the other big things is, um, and this is actually, I kind of wrote my thesis on, um, theme park transportation, internal theme park transportation uh-huh. and how you can take a, uh, park full of guests and make it so that they can evenly spread out throughout the park. Right. Because at any one point, there's always going to be a heavier side or a heavier thing happening because the parades are happening, that the park is unbalanced, right? Right. You have a bunch of people in this corner because the castle show is going on or something, right? right? So the, all the rest of the attractions are empty. That's when like all the teenagers and everything just run out to the attraction. I, I'm that person. Right. I'll be yeah. like, I'll skip the show today and I'm going to yeah. go on the attraction Par- that has. Yeah. Parades at three to four. We're going to go on all the attractions from three to four. Yep. You know what I mean? That's totally. exactly what you do. Mm-hmm. So as a designer, you have to think about <clears throat> not only my attraction, but if my attraction is near a parade, that hourly demand might spike in the middle of the day. Sure. Right. There might be an influx of people trying to get into my ride, and I still need to account for that somehow, or else they're just going to get pissed and right. walk away. Like a classic something. example we're reading about is that um, Disneyland, Fantasmic, Fantasmic is right on the rivers of America. It is not in an amphitheater <laughs> like it is in Florida. It's right there in the middle of the park. They're kind of screwed on that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when Fantasmic ends, there is a huge spike in wait times for Indiana Jones because everybody goes directly and to pirates. Indiana Jones. Yeah. And pirates. Because they're pirates literally right, right there. Yeah. And it makes sense, right? People totally. are like, let's... And people rush to try to get there and then all of a sudden you realize you're in a queue for 50 so what, minutes. It's one of the best tips I can give is if you're at Disneyland and you know you're not going to see Fantasmic, go to Tomorrowland and ride all the rides yeah, in yeah, over there while Fantasmic yeah. is going on. But, I mean, I think one of the things that um, we can take on as a designer is like, okay, well, what could you do if you know that there's going to be a spike in that attraction? Mm-hmm. What are you going to do in Tomorrowland, maybe at that same time that draws guests over there? And I don't right. really see this being implemented. And I would be curious if it would change things. Mm-hmm. If there was some sort of draw to Tomorrowland, you know, it's like, I'm going to go with the ever simple, like, there's a dance party happening in Tomorrowland. I don't really care for the dance party thing. It doesn't do anything for me. But like maybe there's parents who are like the Incredibles are having a dance. Well, they do that in they do have an Incredibles dance party at Disney World, but it's not in tandem, I think, with like the end of an attract, like the end of a show. Right. Where it's like if you had that in Tomorrowland at Disneyland when Fantasmic ends, like maybe there would be some people who are drawn to Tomorrowland. If you put that in the, the little park map, thing right. and you said at nine o'clock fantastic at 10 15 there's a dance party right experience something over there. there yeah absolutely the other thing i'd find interesting i don't know if you could pull this off but like if you had guides character guides or something that like after the show was done they like led people to other places or something like yeah. oh look there's a carriage of tomorrowland people or something going that, to tomorrow I, I think that's really interesting like cuz if you had cuz you're right on the rivers of the america rivers of america there and um obviously it's like new orleans square on one side and then um, Frontierland on the other side. Mm-hmm. It'd be kind of interesting to have like a characters who are like maybe going to have a high, you know, a duel or something. <laughs> yeah, and it yeah. keeps people, you know, just 
gives them enough of a something that delays them from getting into that line a little bit that would yeah. maybe just Alleviate. ease. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that's like an external thing that you can plan for as a designer that doesn't necessarily go into your anticipated hourly demand, but you have to know that that's coming, right? right I mean, right. you have to somehow figure that out. Um, yeah. Or you're going to, again, you're going to have guests who are like, well, I'll, that line's full, that line's full, that line's full. We're going to leave. <laughs> right. And they leave the park and it's totally. nine o'clock, you know, and it's like, yeah. Well, shit, we really wanted to keep it. Yeah, <laughs> and it's always, it's different, right, for different people, too, because, like, there are things where I'm, like, I am a person that knows, like, okay, once once this, once the parade is over, yeah. like, I'm going to go over in this <laughs> far corner of the park so that I am Book not it. by the crowd <laughs> yeah. and, Hell yeah. you know, and... Yeah, trying to cross through a parade? Yeah, oh, oh, forget man. about it. Ooh, oh, my God. It's a nightmare. Yeah. I don't even you know how to you know, solve that. You have to know <laughs> what side of the park you want to be on. Absolutely. <laughs> totally. Yeah, before totally. the parade starts. And, I mean, they do, they, they try to plan it where they're like okay now's the break in the parade and everybody cross you know but it's it's nuts yeah yeah i do not like walking while this parade's going on no totally yeah. um another one for trying to avoid having people be in queues mm. as a designer is um, figuring out how to do a single rider line yes i mean that's uh that's one of the saving graces of cars uh attraction right because we were going to talk about cars being not a great option oh, because if you're terrible. a family of four it's yeah. a three-seated vehicle yeah like what do you what do you do but but with single rider opens an opportunity for people who are like, well, shit, I'm not going to wait an hour or 120 minutes. I'm going to just try single rider and you're okay riding by yourself in a different car. Yeah, I am too. Okay, great. Let's just go ride it. Right. And get the experience in 15 minute wait rather than 120 minute right. wait. So it does, it does offer something, but again, you have to, you have to plan for the ride vehicle to be that way. There are some single ride, I forget what they are, but there are some that have single riders, but they're only like two or four per car which i'm like that makes no sense like if you're going to do a single rider you got to do an odd number you right. got to do a three or a so five that, it, that or a, single rider goes quickly the single rider should be filling yeah. up but there are some that you can if you know that it's a two or a four and there's a single rider be cautious of the wait time for mm -hmm. single rider because it could take longer because typical two people will fill that i mean i think one of the things that one. is nice is that they the parks are pretty good of, about being like the single rider line is too crazy we're not doing anymore and yeah. because the, the single rider time and it's the longer. wait time is the exact same <laughs> yeah, longer, so just yeah. get in the line yeah um and, and i they know can that never, they do that they never give you a real estimate for single rider no they They're don't like, uh, five it's, to 30 minutes. Yeah. It's typically, <laughs> it's typically shorter, but sometimes, yeah. yeah and they don't, a, they can't know either. Right. I mean, no, they don't. They have yeah. no idea who's coming into the, um, line. the one that I always do single rider on is Indiana Jones. Oh yeah. Yeah. Which mm. is a weird experience. Cause you go up the out. There mm. is no, there is no, think about where you, there is no single rider yeah. lane in right. that. Yeah. It's, yeah, you go in the out, which hmm. is like you feel you're walking against traffic, which is really interesting. And then you have to go up the elevator and across and then down the elevator. It's a whole to do, but yeah. it saves time. Yeah. But again, from a designer standpoint, they probably weren't thinking about that. No, from, no, <laughs> which like, I, oh, it would help, you know. Oh, totally. If you had a, a dedicated single rider line that somebody knew about or Absolutely. you know was able to make it. Because even there, even with that one, when you have, if you have people who are going to ride single rider, mm -hmm. you have to ask the attendant yeah. to ride single rider and mm -hmm. they give you a pass that says that you can go 
out the yeah. or up the it you know kind of destroys the, the experience of going <laughs> but, <laughs> with a red little ticket thing <laughs> right exactly and you have to like show it and they like cut you through a certain part of the hello line. i'm here just to ride the ride right my way. <laughs> and i feel like that would actually be pretty intimidating for some people who yeah. maybe are not totally. self-confident enough to know where they're going or what they're doing where there are a lot of attractions that do have single rider lines where there's like this there's a sign and it's like this is the single rider line and yeah. you just get in that and you go there's no there's no talking to anybody there's no i have to have the special badge to walk up the pathway to go you know it's it, yeah, it all makes it, a difference it, so. oh totally yeah 100 mm-hmm. percent um yeah so that kind of i mean kind of brings us to our different types of cues right right um Which, you know, i mean we, we have all kind of mentioned them but yeah throughout, um, but. but you know single rider like we mentioned is definitely a type of cue line that you can do as a designer right, right? you can plan for that in your mm-hmm. we definitely need to be thinking about accessible cues and how those absolutely factor in disneyland is not doing it well currently <laughs> they can't they can't They're they all can't yeah it's all grandfathered in yeah. and you literally go out the inn yeah yeah um, but or I mean, out. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting that a lot of them choose to go through the exit, you know, by default, but that's probably smart as a designer. Cause you get a wider width, you know, right. exits are typically wider. I mean, they're not three foot, like a, um, a queue line typically right. is right. Yeah. Some they, of them there's, are, but... a, there's enough people exiting an attraction that they just want to get you out of there as quickly as possible right. if they are going to make space for it. Absolutely. So, you know, when you're designing for accessibility, sometimes it comes down to that and that's what you do, but right. you make it so that it tailors to that. So you have enough room or you have a seat, another entrance and a way to get into the loading platform right. for those people. Yeah. Right? I mean, the other thing though, too, is like, um, with a lot of that stuff is, you just want to have the same experience that everybody else is having. So, um, you know, and there are like the avatar queue line is really cool. And if I'm needed, you know, if I'm, um, need an accessible, a queue and I don't get to go by that, I'm going to get a little disappointed obviously, because I'm not sure. getting the same, you know, pr- the same experience that other guests are. Yeah. So I think that that's important to, you know, recognize that it's like, yeah, it's like there's mm-hmm. so, especially nowadays, like people are doing really cool stuff in queues yeah. and I want to be a part of that as well. And so. I, think, I think that's where you need to, as a future designer, think about getting rid of stanchions. How can I just get rid of these stupid switchbacks? Because a switchback does limit you with space. Mm-hmm. I mean, you need a 60 inch turnaround for a freaking wheelchair. Yeah. That's a lot of space for a queue, man. It that's is. huge. Mm-hmm. So if you can say, well, let's just get rid of all the stanchions entirely and do something that's just an open room that it's kind of like don't have Dumbo. to worry about that. You don't have to worry about yeah, it. Yeah, people have plenty of space the room, to you have what whatever you they do. need to you know, <laughs> exactly. be accessible. Totally. Exactly. Um, yeah, so that those are – it's an interesting thing there. The other um, thing is fast lane. I mean, right. fast lanes came – when did they start? Is that I mean, I 90s? feel like – yeah. Something like right? that? I don't know. Fast, like the fast pass line. System kind of yeah. thing. I mean, that came about with all the whole like, I think it was money driven. You know, you pay more a little bit to get fast passes from But I think Universal that's the fascinating, yeah, Universal. I feel like maybe they're one of the, are they one of the first people to do it versus Disney World? I can't remember the history I, yeah, of I can't remember either. We can probably but, look into that. But then again, a lot of it is um, capacity and, and um, park distribution, right? I mean, Disney World, I feel like, does it a lot because they want certain people to go in certain areas during certain times or something right. like that, right? They can balance the park. They have, there's a 
probably massive team that works on just understanding the movement of guests and parks, right? And Absolutely. how they can go. Absolutely. It's like and, probably like fluid dynamics or something right? like, like crazy. Simulations out the wazoo. Yeah. But um but fast lanes were introduced because of that point of like guest satisfaction is low. How can we get guests to not wait in line for an hour? Well, we tell them when they're supposed to come here and we just put them on the ride. You know what I mean? But it's a limited capacity that we can manage. It is interesting though, because even in those, even there are different philosophies in that, right? Because Mm -hmm. Disney world, you don't have to pay for a fast pass. Right. So everybody has equal access. So obviously those fast passes. But you can only do three. Well, at Disney world. Right. It never used to be that way. Uh And Disneyland, it's unlimited fast passes. You just have to go get them. Right. Right. Because they're still doing the ticketing system at Disneyland. Right. But there's a different philosophy there where obviously there's going to be more people in that fast pass lane Mm -hmm. where universal, the fast pass pass is like 200 extra dollars. You pay a W, double, W, you pay double for that. Fast right. Pass. Yeah, yeah. And so that means that like the fast pass, exp- like there's not going to be as many people in that. Fa- and I'm sure it's empty sometimes. Totally. Because there's not people who are paying that amount of money mm-hmm. for. And so it's like, okay, well, what's the what's the theory of that? Is like not getting people through the attraction quickly. It's just for you to make money and screw the peasants <laughs> in the other standby line. Right. You know, like so. There's definitely a different philosophy there where it's yeah. like, do you want guest satisfaction of just getting through the attraction quickly? Then pay more. That's their philosophy. That's what or do you yeah, want but guest satisfaction? What I'm by... saying, it's like it's not doing anything for them and their guest satisfaction wise. It's literally only monetary gain that they're doing that. Yeah, other than the people who buy those things. Right, they're are having are a good experience, satisfied. but right, you know, exactly. the, swill, the peasants. <laughs> the peasants in the other line. Whereas are Disney's not... is, you know, everybody who comes here is yeah. getting the same fast Set, passes. Yep, so everybody in general would say, oh, I got to drive around However, at least three rides. The thing that I think is really funny though. A lot of people do not understand that Fast Pass at Disney World or at Disney is free. Mm. I have met so many people that do, they think well, you have to pay. Well, it's because of the Max Pass kind of thing. Well, here at Disneyland, now right. the Max Pass. Yeah. But even before that, even before they even offered the Max Pass on the phone, oh, they just didn't they even wouldn't like do, try. They or wouldn't look even or, go up because yeah. they thought that it was a, you, a pay additional experience. Try. Yeah, mm-hmm. additional, and yeah. they're like, I'm not doing that. I'm not paying for that. Yeah. I'm like, it's free. I mean, part of me is like, thank God you're not doing it because then that means that there's more fast passes for me. me. (laughs) Yeah. I've definitely had several conversations where I'm like, it's free. Yeah. Why 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 would you not use it? At least a couple attractions, you know? For real. So it's a, that, that has complicated cues forever. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I mean, like, what's the one that just got fast pass here in Florida or in California? Um, Toy Story Midway Mania at California Adventure. Mm. They just adopted the Fast Pass for that mm. attraction, and the wait time on that attraction shot up. Oh, easy. 15, 20 minutes at least on average. The, the, the idea behind Fast Pass is I have a bunch of people who are supposed to be here at a certain time, and I know that they can only come here between these 15 minutes. So I know that there's 100 people that are going to come here between these 15 minutes, for, let's mm-hmm. say. But the annoying thing is, you don't know if all 100 people are going to show up or not. <laughs> And if all 100 people do show up and you're the guy in the freaking standby line, you're seeing all those fast pass people go right by you and cutting in and they're letting 20 people in the fast pass uh-huh. lane and then letting one group come through standby. Yeah. 
which is just a nightmare experience. It's, it it really it's very guest. frustrating, yeah. especially when you get to that well, if you, um, if that you, split point where the person is dividing and sending through, and oh, you're especially if you can see off it. At the guy. <laughs> yeah, like it's psychologically, it makes you mad. Totally, you know. 100%. Um, and I mean, I think that's a little bit of operations issue mm-hmm. where I'm like. The people like fast pass does not mean you get on the attraction immediately. Right. It means it's faster than the other line. Right. So if that means that this gets you have to wait a little bit longer, like five more minutes while other people go, right. I think it would do a lot. And I think I, I do wonder about operations of like who is the manager of certain attractions? Because I do feel like there are ones where it's like like Indiana Jones is a bad one where I'm like, oh my god. God, you literally let 20 people go through and then I'm still standing here. But there's other ones where it's like, oh, that wasn't bad at all. You know, the the expectation has been set, though, in every instance of fast pass that I should get to that. If I'm a fast pass holder, I should get to that line and just keep on going. Right. Why why would I wait for those people? You know, it it just creates a negative mentality, I think. But I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's like a negative. Okay, so you had to wait five minutes in the fast pass line or... You didn't have to wait anything, but all the other guests in the other line are pissed. Where it's that's like maybe yeah, you know, it's like you it's could like, trade off and like everybody's it, slightly annoyed instead of that's, pissed. That's <laughs> and that's what I'm saying is like if you you're negative from the stand pass standby line, right? They're they're pissed because people you are just passing keep by. People pass. And if, yeah. if the fast pass people have to wait, they're pissed because they think they should be moving and that standby shouldn't. So you've you've created a negative relationship no matter what you do. Really. But I'm like for me. I'm like, I'm kind of wondering, it's like, are you, so this person is a hundred percent pissed and now they <laughs> yeah. had to wait five minutes. So they're 25% pissed, but the other people are only 75% pissed now. I bet, I bet, I bet you <laughs> and they, now get, everybody's like, they get more complaints from fast pass people having to wait than standby people. It's so funny. Cause I've never have in a fast pass line. I've never been like, Oh, me neither. But the, t- the typical if I was a family and I spent 15,000 freaking dollars to go to Walt Disney World and I, these are my three fast passes and I've had to wait an hour for this ride and my family just wants to go on this freaking frozen ride, just I give me swear this one. to God, if you do not let me, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's like, just let me have this one. They create this pressure and anxiety that just doesn't need to be there. Yeah. And it's, and there's, there's a whole thing that we can go into uh, when we get into like future of cues and everything, but limited capacity might be a good thing. I mean, if you look yeah. at cues, um, but you know, that's for another day <laughs> right. or, or another hour. Um, okay, so, so last type of cue. Yes. Last type of cue. Uh, there's actually two, uh, st- standby cue is just your, your, what your we've standard been talking one. About. Yep. And then child swap, child swap. That's the last one. Not really a type of cue, but a method in which you need to account for, mm. which is if, uh, family has four and one of them is not able to ride this ride but the other kid wants to ride this ride mom and dad want to go on the ride they can switch out the kid Mm -hmm. to like mom watches the kid while dad rides then mom gets to ride while dad watches the kid right you know what i mean exactly um which is like i don't know that they always had that and that's a fairly newish I would say in the last 10 years. Yeah. Maybe. I, f- I feel like amusement parks do it more, <laughs> which is weird. I've, Kings Island was always like, 
you had a roller coasters are typical pull in a loading zone. You have a load in and the load out is on the opposite side mm-hmm. where you have all your people who put their bags in or whatever. Right. But you would always just have a kid or a mom or dad just walk over to the other side, wait behind the exit. And then dad would come back and you'd come in and dad would go out and that's, you just waited right at the exit right, gate. Right. right like there. That was it. Mm-hmm. And Cause you're feel, only waiting three minutes or whatever. Yeah, whatever. Yeah. Like you're just waiting. But I mean, nowadays you probably should plan for, I don't know, a bench, (laughs) a waiting area. Yeah. Just like a little tiny area. That's like, just, Hey, this is where you would just chill until your, you know, part other, you know, half of the family comes back. Right. 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 Something to consider. I mean, it's not major, but people do it, you know? Yeah. They need it. Yep. Um, okay. We want to talk about layouts. Sure. Let's talk about some layouts. People. I think it is funny because like so far we haven't really talked about design really yeah <laughs> no, well, that's yep that's another hour yeah <laughs> maybe part two <laughs> um so layouts uh there are a bunch of different types of layouts we've again talked about them as we've gone but good to note them uh switchback obviously switchback q simple standard 1955 probably had a lot of these right yeah <laughs> where it's, where it's just like literally back and forth down open, back and forth down the rope down the stanchions it exists in peter pan still it exists in snow white still mm-hmm. it's, it's all over the place mm-hmm. it's just switchbacks. Disneyland, anyway yeah disneyland yeah. yeah yeah um so that's your standard right the uh kind of better one psychologically is the hidden switchback um, which actually, which I was surprised, first came about at Calico Mine Train um, in Knotts. Oh, okay. Um, so uh, it was actually, guests were put into another room that was outside the entrance but didn't have access to the loading, right? So you went into a room, it's had a bunch of switchbacks, and then you went into another room, right, mm. where you loaded. What this does psychologically is it says, a guest walking up see, sees 30 minutes. We didn't see anybody in the queue. He's like, cool, I can do that. I think it's going to be quicker. So he walks in, he goes around the corner. He sees, Ha-ha! well, <laughs> if you design it appropriately, yeah. each room should only contain about 50 guests, right? Sure. So you turn the corner and you say, oh, there's 20 guests. Okay, this is this is fine. We'll be good. And you turn the corner and you're like, okay, there's 50 guests. <laughs> and you're like, all right, all right, this is fine. I'm, this is doable. The whole time as a guest, you're thinking, this is uh, this is manageable. Yeah. And then you get through it and you're like, okay, still manageable. So you're not seeing 200 guests at once going, fuck this. I am out. That looks like a lot of people. Instead, you're like, okay, there's 20 people. Now there's 50 people. Now there's so, 50 people. Oh, now I'm on the ride. <laughs> do you ever, have you ever seen the show Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt? Yes. yes. There's like a part where she's like, you can do anything for 10 seconds. <laughs> exactly. And they're like turning the crank in the room. <laughs> and she, she just breaks it down into 10 second, like See, we bite did it. size. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. she just counts another 10 seconds. And you're like, whatever. Yeah. I think it's a similar mentality. Absolutely. I mean, it is funny though, because like for me, I am kind of the opposite where I'm like, how many more of these rooms am I going to go through <laughs> before I get to where I'm going? I I love it because it gives me new scenery to look at. Sure. Every time I turn a corner, I'm like, oh, look at that. New stuff. Yeah. <laughs> like, let me look at it. Look at, look at that corner. Totally. Look at that corner. Whereas like if you just put me in a room, 
uh, one of the most frustrating rooms of all time was Disney Tokyo Sea's uh, Indiana Jones. You're in the same freaking room for like an hour. Really? And I, was, I was like this. I've looked at that skeleton on the floor at least a hundred times. <laughs> like, <laughs> I walked by this place so oh many times. Oh my God. Um, when you're in the same room, it is draining. It can in be. In my opinion. Yeah. I am like. Oh my God. Especially if the ride is not a big throughput. So you're not moving a lot. Right. You move five people, wait. Move five people, wait. Yeah. It's like, geez. Yeah. That one's, that one's hard. Yes. I get that. That one's hard. Um, so hidden switchbacks can help you psychologically. They're still well, the yeah, same. Well, yeah, you got to do a switchback. Maybe try to do the hidden <laughs> switchback if you can. Yeah. Yeah. That's typically well, we what we do. We were just talking about this that, um, the uh, Toy Story Midway Mania in Florida used to just be a big open room with all the toys and stuff, which, I mean, I liked it just because I was like, look at all the toys. But, like, after a while, you've looked at all the toys. And you're still waiting. You're still minutes. waiting, <laughs> and you can see all of it. And now, currently, like, Jake said that they have switched that to be a hidden switchback. They've so added they a little bit of walls. inserted some walls in there you know? and break it up. Yeah, hell yeah. That's what you should do. Yeah. Because I don't want to sit there for 45 minutes and watch – that person move up and then just watch all the other people move up and be like, come on, come on, come on. I'm come waiting. On, I'm come waiting on, come for on. my. Here we go. We're moving. Yeah. We're moving. Like and then it's like, okay. Snake or something. <laughs> Seriously, it's yeah. terrible. Totally. <laughs> um, so then uh, the other layout is elongated cues. Okay. Um, which uh, best example for me for this is uh, Space Mountain in Florida. Um, that is like one of the longest walks of all time. I mean, Indiana Jones, the similar, thing. Yeah, similar. Right? Where it's just like, you go and Walking go and go and go and go. Da, 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 da. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it provides a lot of like opportunities for things to see and like theming and, and you're constantly moving in one direction and you never really see other people. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of positives about it. Like it can extend the story and all yeah, that. Yeah. And I also feel like there's like an immersion thing, right. Where I'm like, Oh man, I'm going, going deep way into, the wilderness. into this attraction. Yes. Yeah. I think there is a psychological thing happening there, which is kind of fascinating. There is a, to the other point, if you design the attraction to load and unload in the same spot, you might have a issue, which is Indiana Jones does that where you walk a mile all the way back and then you load and you unload same spot. Spot and you have to walk a mile all, all the way back. back. <laughs> and you're like, Jesus Christ. Which this I mean, is what it's I kind of, I, it is interesting though, because I, the two of them, the reason why they're designed that way is because they don't fit inside the berm. <laughs> yes. The only way that it works is to have the queue maybe line. Don't know, oh. The berm is basically the barrier of the inside of the park versus the outside of the park. It's usually like a hill yeah. or a fence or whatever it is. The uh, um, Indiana Jones in Disneyland is outside the berm and it is in a cast member. It's in, in an old cast member parking lot. Mm -hmm. So the walk back there is almost a quarter of a mile, which it's is only a thing long that, way. It's the only thing they could do. That's I mean, the only thing they could do. If you look at it on a map, it is literally the only space mm -hmm. <laughs> in between the retractors. And... Um, Space Mountain is similar. Most people don't yeah. know because it looks like it's inside the berm, mm -hmm. but Space Mountain in Florida is outside the berm, actually. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Typically, that'll happen then. I mean, there's really no other way or reason for elongated queue from a space space. Right. Why, do, why would I do that in a park? Yeah, you like, know? Why, that makes I no mean, sense. I think it is interesting, though, that you, maybe you could potentially do it where you're designing it to go like under another attraction or something. True. You know, because like mm -hmm. I, I do think there is a psychological benefit there of like like we were just talking about, like I'm venturing way deep down. Yeah, And typically you're, you're walking at a decent pace the whole time. You're not right. stopping a right. lot. 
Yeah. Um, I mean, Indiana Jones, once you get up towards the front, it's a little like, Whoa. But at least for a good, I don't know, five minutes of your wait, you're walking. walking. I mean, that's the thing, you know? It's like, so at least you kill five minutes. And then they do the thing where you're, you know, in separate pre-shows and cues and stuff, which yeah. it breaks it up and really that's what, nicely. It's really funny. As, as a guest, I always want to rush to get to the line, right? Mm-hmm. But I've as I've gotten older, I've been like, you know what? It might be nice to walk slow here. <laughs> like, just take my time because no matter what, I'm going to be You're going to end up in that line too. <laughs> and it's like, what are you going to wait? One yeah, more minute? Just, just one wait. more minute to get on that attraction? Just take yeah. my time, walk, touch some stuff, you know, do, some, <laughs> you know, just do my thing. <laughs> so yeah, and elongated cues are definitely unique. Um, then there are uh, cue splits, which are one of the most mind-boggling things I have ever heard in my entire life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they are top frustrating, most annoying thing for mm-hmm. me. The psychological battle you have in a queue is already hard enough when you are watching people move. And then you're going to make me make a decision. Now it's up to me? Oh, you're telling... Okay, so just for context, this is a point in an attraction where you as the guest have to make a choice between going left or right. Yeah. I've never seen... Stick with your party. Yes, stick with your party. I have never... I've never seen any more choices than that, than two. Thank God. But um, you're forcing the guests to make that. So a, a great one is um, Dueling Dragons. Well, the, the now, yeah. the, no, the no more Dueling Dragons at yeah. Universal Studios. And then Indiana Jones is another one where mm-hmm. there's a point where you get to it and there is a staircase that you have to go up. Incredicoaster, staircase. And yes, yep. and there is a split and you have to choose either the left side or the right side. Yeah. And it can be incredibly frustrating. When the other side moves faster than you. And if you don't know what they where what they lead. I, yeah, what am I doing? Like I if Why this, am is, I choosing if this, this is the first time I'm riding Indiana Jones and you're making me choose left or right, and I don't know what the fuck left means or right means. Like, do I does left go in a different direction? Does, or a different does, ride vehicle or yeah, yeah. like what do, do I get a different experience if I choose one or the other? Like you were making a guess make a horrible decision. Paralyzed <laughs> at the bottom of the steps. Which side do I go on? And then you just end up going where everybody's moving and then yeah. eventually that fills up and people go to the left and the, you know. But I think I think the best thing to do in these situations is do something like a jungle cruise. Jungle cruise is in awesome representation of how to pull this off successfully Mm. it is a line that like i think you're a big fan of it has a little bit diverse it's switchback but it's a a little bit diverse we'll go into this obviously like our favorites our least favorites it's a little bit diverse but it is a switchback but you move the entire time yeah like you i rarely will be standing in jungle cruise line Mm. and that is because there is one line until you hit the switch or the split Mm -hmm. and the split is actually you're you're moving for essentially two or three ride vehicles right instead of one which makes a lot of sense Mm -hmm. like if you and correct me if i'm wrong but you can see you can see yes you can see oh cool i'm just getting on another boat yep whatever And it's only like i don't know 10 15 people deep yeah and i know like oh that one leads that one that oh okay yeah let's just go to this one yeah if, if a guest can see the end and know where these go to, psychologically, it's so much easier mm-hmm. to make a decision, right? Yeah. And you get the added benefit of it moving faster, right? Does does Kilimanjaro Safaris do something similar? Kilimanjaro or... Safaris? No, no, they don't. Never I don't mind. think so. Sorry, yeah. sorry. I'm thinking something else. I can't even remember that cue. I think you get to the end point and then a, 
a cast member splits you. Oh, yeah. Into the rows or whatever. Right. But I, I don't know why I was thinking of it. Anyway. But if you can do splits effectively, do it. Because a lot of guest psychology in a line is, am I moving in this line or am I standing still in this line? Mm-hmm. If you can make them feel like they're moving, do it. Oh, man. It makes the weight go by Way so much faster. Right? It just, it, yeah, it's just, yeah. Because I'm occupied. Stupid. I'm occupied walking. I'm, right. I'm walking, doing my thing. I'm like, man, this, this is easy. This yeah. is a piece of cake. But if I'm standing there and standing there. And I standing, mean, not to like, mention oh. it's just physically tougher to just stand there. Yes. Totally. Like I literally. So if I am walking throughout a theme park, I find that I can walk all day and I will be fine. My feet will be fine. If I've had to stand in an attraction and stand and stand, I notice and I notice how sore my feet are yeah. when I'm standing still. Yeah. And by the end of the day, I'm like, screw this. I don't yeah. want to. I'm like desperate for someplace to sit down at. Yeah. And. That's one thing that I wish more cues would do is build in more seating. Benches. Yeah. Like Simplest Rise thing. of the Resistance. Love you. Love Thank it. You. Thank you, God. Even if it, I mean, it's like the move, the line is moving so quickly that I don't get that much time to sit down, but like, at least I get a chance if I need yeah. to. And I'm, if, if I need a second and I'm going to let this family go in front of me just because I need a second to sit down, then I have the option to sit down. Right. There's so many times in an, a tra- like an acute line where I'm like, I am desperate to just put my feet up for a second yes. to take the pressure off my feet. And that's why and there's I, no option. If you have a cue line that requires people to stand in the same spot, your cue is going to get damaged because the they likelihood get bored, they pick at things, picking, they... sitting, leaning, mm-hmm. you know, moving the rope back and forth, yeah. you know, like you want to keep them moving because when they're moving, they're not touching. Yes, actually, I've heard this from several designers. That's one of the hardest things actually is designing a queue where there's things that are in reach of people, especially at that queue. If you have to stand still there, because (laughs) forget about it, you almost cannot screw or glue things down (laughs) hard hard enough enough because guests will figure out how to. And that's why a lot of them are in glass cases. Right. Like you you can't even touch it. Yeah. Or that, that one little chip of paint, (laughs) <laughs> turns into a massive peeled paint area because yeah. you, people just get bored. And that's why you see a lot of amusement parks that if it's a, you know, wait for a roller coaster and you're in a queue that's wall to wall, you know, it's a wall on one side, wall on the other side. You see a lot of people picking their names and right. carving into it and then it looks like shit. Shit, it know? does. Like, yeah, it looks trashy. Then. Yeah. That's why so. a lot of them end up just being literal pipe railing <laughs> yeah. right it's like i don't yeah. care we'll slap some paint on this later yep. but whatever or rope rope is the easiest thing to replace yeah. i mean if they break yeah. it you just put it in however i really like man ropes and cue lines like i don't think it's a good idea the number of people that i see sit or kids <laughs> thinking it's a swing yeah. Uh, uh. yeah and then i just watching the post like wiggle back and forth out of its cement base yeah. like oh yeah. man yeah it's rough it's a, t- it's a tough design yeah anyway so that was cue uh, splits and psychology <laughs> behind that uh yeah and then there's uh newer thing called Q staging or Q stages. Um, this is, I, I wouldn't say it's newer. I, I would say that it's the, becoming the, more popular that, yeah, the newer, the yeah, the newer attractions are utilizing this more and developing on it more. But I mean, it was haunted mansion from the start, right? Haunted mansion. Right. You, you have go the into stretching a room, room, you go into a room, you go into a room. Right. The, kind of that's what Q staging is, right? Um, Aerosmith, you go into the st- sound stage, the studio, and then you go into the thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a ton of examples of this it's kind of cue. Essentially a pre-show. When we call exactly. it a pre-show, yep. it's cue staging. Cue staging. Yeah. Now, it's evolving. Now, is it called that because it's um, it's literally the cue is broken into stages? Like there is this stage, stage one, stage two, stage three? 
or is it staging like as in we are presenting something to you like a stage yeah it's a good question it says another person divide up the cube by one or more pre-show scenes so Scene, stages. for example in haunted mansion with the stretching room right yeah so stages right so yeah like stage one stage two stage divide three. the queue into first stage second stage and subsequent stages if applicable cool yep. great 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 yeah so it's multiple i mean it's 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 pulsed you know queue lines right? right i mean it's put 50 people into a room put them out of the room put 50 people into the room, <laughs> out of the room. Totally. but instead of a switchback of 50 people, you're seeing them in a room and they get a little show da, 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 and they move to the next room. Right. You know? yeah. They're occupied. Occupied. That's what you want. Yeah. Occupied guests. That is what you want. Totally. Um, yeah. So that's, that's kind of the layouts. Um, there was also a thing in, in the book, which honestly, there's not that many like different philosophies going on here. Like it's like basically switchbacks, either he mm-hmm. hidden or not. And elongated is like, okay, it's still just a line. <laughs> like it's not really do it's still like it's not really doing much else, you know? And mm-hmm. a Q, Q splits, I mean that's not really like it's just like an another add-on to the switchbacks or whatever. Yeah. And then Q stages is like the only one that's like maybe breaking the mold yeah. a little bit. You well, know? I think I think that's all there needs to be. I think Q's Right, going, how many different versions of standing in line? Yeah, <laughs> because I think cues are going to go away from that. Right, and I I think the next cue type or layout is not going to be a standing kind of way we do it. Right, we're going to change the way we do it. So hopefully, new layouts will not incorporate that stuff. Right, right. Yeah. Um, there was also this um, kind of eight principles of cue design. Um, in the book, and I kind of wanted to highlight a couple of them. You mentioned one of them, which is occupied time feels shorter than unoccupied oh, time. Oh, totally, right? yeah. Um, which I think any designer could agree that if we can provide something that's interactive or you know enticing to the guest, they're going to feel like it's a less weight than right. what they're actually which doing. I right? mean, one of the things I find fascinating is we were just talking about this heads up game, right? Yeah. You see that all the time in queue lines, and um, like the Soren in Florida has the like the trivia game on the phone, I'm surprised we have not embraced the phone usage I, in the lot. Li- like so phones, many people are on their phones anyway. Why are we not doing something that's pertaining to the attraction? Phones in are, the attraction? phones are hard right now because phones are not, um, you never know if somebody has the capabilities of phones. Like we're right in this stage of like, does everybody have a smartphone? Does everybody not have a smartphone? How do we, you know, include this? I think we're getting to the point where it's like everybody should have a smartphone at this point. Like every, it's becoming affordable and everybody Absolutely, should have it. Yeah. So you're just now seeing some embrace. I think there's them. like literally only one option for like a flip phone yeah. at, a, <laughs> at a cell phone yeah. store now. Yeah. So, so you're seeing these new attractions embrace that with the data pad, you know, at Star Wars, right? It's a whole new interactive thing on your phone that you can go and while you're in the line do things, right? Have yeah, you ever done that, it? No, I haven't. It's specific to the attraction. Is it really? Yeah. You go in the attraction and it actually knows that you're, and you're trying to collect stuff and learn stuff about the Falcon. Oh, and, okay. Yeah. All right. That's good um, to know. But, but it is infancy. It's, it's not fully vetted yet. Um, sure. A lot of the games on the app, the Disneyland app has a lot of good queue line games. I've seen that. I played them and I used to, I'd say they're good. And I don't think so. I got bored. I think I did one of them and I was like, this is boring. They're good games for families. Sure. They're, as as an adult, I'm not entertained. Sure, I I know what color that T Rex is. Like, yeah. I don't. Why totally. Why are you asking me this question? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. It's very child oriented. It's geared towards children. Yeah, the demographic they're trying to reach is a child is a child because sure. that's makes Who sense. Needs the most. Needs the most attention taken away. Right. But I do think there's opportunities 
to expand upon these things right. to make them more interactive. Yeah, because I mean, the, I love the Soren one for the fact that like everybody's like you're. It's like you're playing trivia at a bar yes. all together, right? Yep. There's it. a community aspect yep. of it that I think is nice, and those ones that they currently have at Disneyland are not community based. The potential is exponential, yeah. and we have just cracked the surface. Totally. And you think about repeatability and coming back. I mean, I want to save my stats. I want to build a character. I want to do things in this ride on my phone. And they, they can't do that. Or yet, you know? like I get to a certain level. Yeah. Right. I've collected X amount of times coming on this attraction. Hell so the yeah. next time I get to do it, I actually get to take my phone and activate yeah. this thing in the ride. with or, the, It's kind of like um, the Phineas and Ferb. Yeah. Um, scavenger hunt yep. thing, right? You have a phone thing. Mm-hmm. You get to, once you figured out the clue, you get to activate this thing. Yeah. Like I would love to see that get pushed to another level. And, and they're doing queue. that. The one thing is marketing has to push it somehow. You know, you have to make it known to right. families to use the damn thing, which they're, they're pushing the Disney play app thing. But again, it has to be an experience that's worth it that I want to do it for some reason other than just wasting time. Right. So if you made it so like you could play this game in line and then get exclusive access to buy a pin that you couldn't do without doing this, then right. maybe people but, are enticed. Specifically, like I have to maybe scan something in the attraction to get access to, to buy yes. the pin. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Which is which is totally if you're a pin collector, you want to do that, right? It still costs ten dollars, right? You don't reduce the cost at all, but you give them access to this pin. So like if you know this, you hey, I got this pin means I went on freaking Soren. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that, that's a one small example, but you have to make it worth it. I, I can't stress how annoying it is to play this play app and it just say, good job. And it's like, that was it. That was like, it. Okay, there's okay. nothing. Yeah. That's well, okay. I've this, that not, wasn't very, rewarding at yeah, all. Like very unsatisfying. I, I want, I don't know why they don't do this, but I want the whole app to like keep my profile or a whole like scoreboard or like this is my character that I'm building. For me, I'm surprised that we're not there yet in the theme park. Yeah. And I'm like, a a lot of times just comes down to the investor and investor not thinking it's worth it. It's a lack of the leadership to understand the the capabilities. I mean, you see a lot of leaderships are just older generations, right? They don't understand the capabilities of what it has. Yeah. And the number of hours that we spend on phones. Oh yeah. Yeah. You'll see our generation will come up and that that'll become a thing sure that'll add, we'll we'll dive full into that experience right. because everybody's only to be obsolete because gen z is <laughs> we'll have you know b- not chips into, implanted in our brain Facebook is lame <laughs> okay anyway. anyway back to the principles wow sorry um <laughs> second principle is people want to get started this is a pretty obvious one. Right. If, if I'm in a line. Switchback queue line with God. nothing. If I'm in line for an hour and then you show me a pre-show, I'm like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> like, come on. Not interested. Like, I am so tired. Just give me on this damn ride. Whereas if you do something like Haunted Mansion, which is I'm in a queue line outside, very different environment. Mm-hmm. You put me in a room that has a little show. Cool. And then I go into another line. You've split that that kind of idea of starting the ride. Right. Because when I go in that room, I'm like, oh, the ride, I'm on the attraction, right? And the you'll see these in newer rides too, where you start them earlier. Get get them thinking that the, the attraction has started or make the queue a part of the attraction. Don't, right. don't say it's an extension of it. Make it a part of it. Like this is the ride. You're mm-hmm. just actually going in a room and being <laughs> cattled through this. You know what I mean? Right. Um, so that's, that's a cool cool one to consider especially moving forward with the future um anxiety makes waits seem longer that's a no-brainer right i mean the more i stress out about a split queue the more i 
think I'm waiting longer. That line's going shorter. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I hate it when I choose the wrong side of the wrong side of the queue. I mean, I I am a person who even knows that the difference is 30 seconds, you know, yeah. but like it still drives me crazy and it still makes me mad. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And then this, the next one is uncertain weights are longer than known infinite weights, right? Finite um, weights. Finite. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Infinite weights. <laughs> um, so essentially, you know, guests are happier waiting if they know their duration, there will be there, right? Especially if you Absolutely. give them 30 minutes and it takes 20. 20. <laughs> this is what Disney does. It's absolutely. a it, it, absolutely. If you 15, 20 minutes to clock everyone. it yourself, people, you go on a ride for 30 minutes, you're going to wait 20. Yep. Right. I mean, it's just because the last thing they want to do is, is you, you say, more. yes, you say it's going to take 50 minutes and it takes 75. And you like, will have a pissed guest. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, unexplained weights seem longer than explained weights. Right. I mean, if you're in a queue line and you get delayed and you're not moving for five minutes and you don't know why. And you're like, this isn't normal. You're going to be kind of pissed, right? You know, this is something that I, I don't know how to solve it yet. Cause it's like, I don't want it to be like an intercom system where they're like, so um, <laughs> the attraction has broken down. That's folks. what they do right now. I mean, sometimes they don't even do that. Sometimes it's only well, the people the, in the immediate area yeah. that they're and like, that's hey. that's the frustrating thing about it. And then I if you're know. way back, you have no idea what's happening. You're just waiting but, there for 15 minutes. Right. And you're like, is there anything happening? Is there something wrong? What's going on? Are there that many fast pass people? What right. And you don't know. And it's like, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know that it's the loudspeaker that's like, you can either stay in the line and we can't guarantee how long it's going to be. <laughs> or if it's, you know, like, I don't know what the answer is. They, but, well, they do it now with... Uh, Ariel's undersea adventure in Florida where Sebastian comes over and Sebastian says, Oh, we, we are experiencing that. I'm a terrible. (laughs) We're experiencing. (laughs) Do it it more. Do it more. Yes, yes, please come to my crab. (laughs) Um, uh, We are experiencing, you know, longer than unusual way or um, Ariel went off to see her friends and she'll be back soon. Uh, Just wait a minute. You know what I mean? They do that. Interesting. Um, but you know, you you only really see it when there's actually. But delay. yeah, and I mean, it's still the it's still like okay, you told me that once, and then it comes like five minutes later. <laughs> Ariel's coming thank back you soon. Thank you for holding. <laughs> Somebody will will be with you momentarily. Momentarily, like yeah. how many times do I have to hear it? It's like, and I don't know. There is no way of solving that because you don't know how long the ride's going to be down. Yeah. You don't know. So yeah. yeah, yeah, frustrating part of it that you just kind of got to deal with. Um, Unfair weights are longer than equitable weights. Um, I mean, yes. <laughs> you certainly don't want to feel like in a standby that you have a bunch of people f- passing you by, right? Which, I mean, I think this is one of the things about the fast pass that gets right. annoying is like, I, I don't get me wrong, I love fast pass. I, I, I'm actually pissed that Disney World went to the three fast pass thing a day. Mm-hmm. And I mean, you can get more, but by the time you are able to get more during the day, all the you know any attraction worth riding like all the fast passes are gone for that well and that's why you see a lot of fast passes intentionally like split visually right because there's right so there you has don't to even be know that it's has to be incidences of a family member getting pissed off at a absolutely. guy running absolutely because i think of like indiana jones like that one is the split you are literally right next to each other on the bridge and it yeah. makes me so angry when i see 20 people go by and sometimes i'll even be standing there <laughs> 
and there will be no one coming yeah. up the fast pass line. Oh, and they won't let you go. And they yeah. won't let you go. Yeah. And then, because which, I mean, this is up. all they normal. All right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. This is all normal operation stuff, right? Mm-hmm. This is not like this is some no. ploy or, you know, <laughs> no, it's no. like this is an operational. It's, it's, what, they, thing, it's what they are trained, trained to, to do. do and exactly. It's how the numbers work. But the fact that I can see that is oh. is just so frustrating. As a designer, you have to separate You those. have to separate it. If you, and I mean, geez. this is like, it's. Talk about making a guy feel bad with this family sitting there in the standby. Absolutely. And, and like by. adults, they get it. They understand what's going on. Well, maybe <laughs> not. Some people don't understand the fast pass. Thing. Like I was saying, some people don't understand that you it's free. Really pissed off. They, yeah. they get really pissed off. But, you know, your five-year-old. is probably really ticked off. Yeah. Like, they don't they understand that. that. Yeah. So. Yeah. Totally. yeah. So another one to pay attention to. The next one, uh, the more valuable the service, the longer the customer will wait. Mm. Right. So better attraction experience equals I'll more wait longer wait, for Right. This. You can yeah. plan for Q a little bit more, right. Or push it a little bit more. I kind of agree with that. That's probably true. If you had a five minute ride or you made an attraction that was so adored that people waited two mm-hmm. hours for it. But look at frozen meet and greet people waiting fucking seven hours to meet on an Elsa. I yeah. mean, Jesus Christ. So, I, I agree with that, but at the same time, I feel like you can't plan on that as a designer. <laughs> like, like, what you do have you have? No idea. My attraction is going to be badass, yeah. so nobody I mean, needs to wait. <laughs> like, I think at the beginning, obviously, there's always going to be that like shiny new attraction mentality that people are willing to wait for that. But yeah, as the attraction gets older, I, I don't know that it's worth it. I yeah, mean, I, I, but I mean, well, rise of the resistance is always probably going to be worth it. I don't know. I can't yeah, but, imagine that it's ever going to get to the point that that's like that rides old hat, you know, maybe 50 years from now. Yeah. But there's some rides that have gotten old hat. I mean, test track is pretty old hat. I don't really want to wait for that anymore, but that's fairly new. Right. I mean, eh, 2000, 20 years. You said 50. <laughs> I'm sure, sure. Yeah, but I mean, like, even within a couple of years, most attractions, their their queue lines are, yeah, yeah, it's like, whatever, you know. But I mean, but I, yeah, Rise of the Resistance and Test Track are not on the same level (laughs) at all. all. So (laughs) that's what what I mean. Like, you have to kind of take it, like, you know, either or, so... Um, the final eighth one is solo weights feel longer than group weights. Uh, theme park queues are one of the most sociable times. So yeah, I guess if you're waiting alone, it feels longer. I mean, I don't know how to supplement that other than know your, know your ride vehicle design is appropriate for a, a single rider. Right. If you're going to have a single rider well, queue. I mean, I would also say that there are attractions where I'm in a group of like, we've gone and we've, you know, I've had like, I've invited like five friends to go to Disneyland. Right. Mm-hmm. And there are attractions where the, Q is so skinny that oh, I can yeah, that only talk yeah. to the person in front of me or in back also, of me. Yeah, that is also a very annoying thing about cues is if you're in a group, big group. Party, right. I want to stand in a like in a pod rather mm-hmm. than, yeah. you know, in a single file line. Which is why I think cues are going to go away entirely. Like, right. It's just stupid. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's what the solo weight. I think that could even be taken into like, I can't talk to my entire group at the same time. because yeah. I can only talk to this one person. I'm talking to this, the boring guy in the back. Right. Right. It's <laughs> like somebody invited Steve. Steve. Again. Ugh, God Steve. damn it, Steve. No, no, I'm not, I'm not going to be Steve. like that. But it's true though. Like in, especially like on field trips, can you imagine? Like there's always like that person that you, the, kid, the student that you don't want to, kid that you don't want to be by and you're, you end up by that kid. And if you can be in a group setting, it makes it go by faster. Absolutely. Yeah, it also yeah. makes those things like the games, like heads up. Is it called like heads up or is it just heads up? Uh, what, did you change the, words there? The, the, <laughs> heads up? Yeah, is it like heads up 
I think it's just thumbs up. up, you know, like that old game. <laughs> is it just think, called heads up? I, I haven't played it in so up. long, but um, if I don't have the space to be able to play that, then mm. I can't play right. it. My no, totally. time is unoccupied. So. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, and then he does. Uh, David adds on uh, ninth principle. So we broke the eight. We're on nine now. Mm. Maybe we should add a tenth. Uh, <laughs> Constant gradual progress feels shorter than rate burst of progress. We know that, right? I yeah. Mean, that's what we were talking rare, about. Rare, rare bursts. Oh, rare. Sorry, I can barely read it. Very, <laughs> very far away from me. Rare bursts of uh, progress, which is true. I mean, if you're moving and walking and you're doing your thing, the better the cue. So Absolutely. if you can plan on, if you can take a risk and do a split cue that you can see the front and you can make people go faster, uh-huh. do it, right? I mean, yeah. I'd rather, if there was a way to figure out how to put people on an omni mover in a queue, <laughs> I would be like all down for it. Right. Be like, just put them on a little moving escalator or sidewalk <laughs> and just be like, do, 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 do. And, and you just like, uh, the seal feels like, um, uh, the Jetsons, yeah, like totally, kind of where totally. they just, like just stand and there, just like, and then you like arrive at work and you do all your stuff at work <laughs> on the, the conveyor belt, and then yeah, <laughs> that would be a great cue, man. Oh my god, could you imagine like loading people onto the thing and, and just, just walking like, on, whoop, and you just like, stand and it's like, whoop, doo, 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 and you get like things handed to you? That'd yeah, so cool. that'd be that'd be great. <laughs> there we go, new cue layout. Um, awesome. Okay, yeah, those are so, all the principles. Yeah, there. those were the principles. So we made it through. Those are great. <laughs> I I think they're you know just things. I mean, a lot of them are pretty obvious in my opinion, but it's totally yeah. It's good to keep those philosophies. Well, it's in mind. A, it's a Mickey's Ten Commandments. It's it's pretty right. obvious, but in all, all honesty, it's somebody's got to write hard, them down somewhere. Yeah, it's so. very hard to remember them when you're actually designing. You know, yeah, you gotta, like keep those in mind. Um, so thanks for joining us again, guys. That was uh, part one of Great. our long rant on Q lines. <laughs> exactly. So stay tuned for part two. Um, in that episode, we're going to talk about you know the cues that we like, the cues that we don't like, ones are doing well, future of queuing, and the future of queuing as well. So tune in then. Um, as always, follow us on Instagram at the D Ticket Podcast and on Twitter at D Ticket Podcast. Know the great, and then rate, review, and subscribe on whatever podcast listening app you are using. And we will catch you for part two. Bye. Bye. Produced by Jacob Birding and Tina Savala. Sound engineering by Jared LeClaire. Music by Ryan Mowry. Fact checking by anyone who has an opinion about the entertainment industry. Sound intern and official podcast pup, Oakley, the Wonder Oak, Lindegren. And a special thanks to Jared LeClaire and Carrie Lindegren.